Well, hello everyone. This is Chatterbox Video Game Radio. My name's Alon, and I'm continue to be Ara. This is a uh, this is our second to last show of the year, I think. I haven't been keeping tabs on the weeks, but we're getting really, really close. Yes, but there's well, going to be more. I guess there's two more shows that that we'll put up, but they won't. So the last day of the year, My December thirty first, cataclysms notwithstanding. <laughs> there's that too. So we've got we've got next week. We have to do a show apparently on Christmas Eve. We have to. Ah. Oh. That's we could wait, but <laughs> that's the day we're scheduled to record. And then, of course, the week after that would be would be New Year's Eve. So, I guess we have a couple shows left this week this year, but uh, but we're closing in, closing in actually on I think eight, no nine. Holy crap! It's been a very long time. Nine full years of programming for Chatterbox, which is that's pretty stupendous. Nine for you, maybe like five for me or something. Jesus Christ. Uh, 2006, I think. Maybe when six. When you started. Holy smokes. So, yeah. Five and some change. It's, it's certainly been a while. So, uh, you know, welcome to everyone who's new. And thank you to everyone who's, who's not new. <clears throat> well, really, thank you to everyone. Anyway, our website is chatterboxgameshow.com. Really, the only thing you'll find there, copies, more copies of the show and, uh, and our email addresses. But also, oh, and the phone number. We have a phone number so you can leave us a voicemail. That's right. And just like before, it's our voicemail number. So please call us. Leave us a voicemail message. Please enunciate. And in return, I'll enunciate our number, which is 480-442-6321. If that's too confusing, 480-4GAME21. All right. So you were at my house this weekend. I was. And I was I was so hoping that um, everybody but me would be wearing ugly sweaters, since that was the theme of the party, and yeah. for the only reason that uh, I was just wishing it would be one of those great opportunities to just blatantly outdress every single person in the room. Yeah, well, that didn't happen unfortunately because not a lot of people listen to those directions, myself included. But it was a fine, fine event, and during that event, I said to you, "Hey, Ara, I need you to help me." need you to help me get through them s- some stuff on New Super Mario Brothers U. Now, it's not often, in fact, it's not ever that you've asked for my help with anything. It's it's the truth. Uh but but New Super Mario Brothers U has a challenge mode in it. Yeah, so you piqued my interest right away cuz I was like thinking I'm like what in God's name could I be able to help Alon with? You didn't know it had a challenge mode, did you? No, I didn't even know we would be playing a video game. I thought that maybe there was like some like Atlas Sphere placed in your bedroom that you had to relocate or something. <laughs> Just so I could take a picture of you holding it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so the challenge mode in New Super Mario Brothers U, and I always want to call it New Super Mario Brothers Wii U. The Wii word is not there in the title. Anyway, the challenge mode has you doing these things that are difficult, like complete this level in x number of seconds or you know get a certain number of extra lives by killing a lot of people with a tortoise shell or something um then there's some levels where you have to have a partner do do you know how new super mario brothers do you works with the gamepad yeah in fact incidentally i had actually played it um with some other people the previous week so I, I knew what was going on with the platforms and stuff as soon as you gave it to me. Okay, so for those who don't know, a lot of Wii U games, at least the ones by Nintendo, you can, uh, you can play with five people. You'll have four people using one of the remotes, the Wii remotes with the television, and then one person using the gamepad. I think we've talked about that. Yeah. Incidentally, does it a lot. I only like playing Wii U games if I'm the one playing the gamepad. Yeah, I think that's probably true of a lot of people. Anyway, I... <clears throat> I... Uh, I was telling you about Mario. Okay, so four people using the controller, one person using the gamepad. But the problem is that if the game isn't really designed for it, like New Super Mario Brothers U, the person on the gamepad might get shafted. Or at least that's the, the way it is in the Mario game. So you've got four people playing the real game, and the person on the gamepad doesn't actually play the game. They can just touch the screen and make blocks appear yeah, wherever they which, want. Which I actually had uh, quite a bit of minutes of experience with that. And I still felt a little shafted, despite what I just said 10 seconds ago, because I didn't really feel like I had, like, very much agency in the game in terms of, like, well, that's what the word means, right? Actually affecting what was happening, right? 
Yeah. So I, I played in like a couple different ways just to experiment, right? So one of them was like, okay, I'm going to try to help you guys by putting platforms somewhere. And we were playing like a five-player game, by the way, right? So there were four Mario. Yeah, that's not confusing at Mario's. all. So that made it even worse, right? And did they just keep it, jumping at well, jumping at it from the bottom and blowing them up? Every no, time incidentally, also like one of the people decided that their preferred playstyle was to run forward as quickly as possible all the time. That's annoying. Um, which like drag you drag all the other players with you when you do that. I'm guessing that that was Tim. Um, no, it wasn't. But, really? you know what, I'm just going to call out this kind of behavior because this is not cool gaming behavior. And, um, yeah, I'm just going to put this out there. So Tim was there, and we were playing at his place, right? But this was, like, another one of his friends, Sam. If you're listening, Sam, I'm going to be um, berating you for the next two minutes. Okay. Um, so, you know, he was one of those guys who was, like, when we were picking all the characters, you know, he was like, yeah, I'm going to, like, move my thing around my, my Wii cursor around as fast as possible as haphazardly as possible so that i can annoy everyone as much as i can right he sounds like a good fellow yeah and then so like that's what he was doing also like i was i was asking him right about like how come it was uh, like i was like why were you guys just running through everything and he's like oh that's sam he was just doing that to um piss us all off and, and he did that the whole time and i was like this is a uh, normal mode of social operation and he's like yeah it is. All right. Well, good on you, Sam. Anyway, the player with the gamepad in this particular game kind of gets the shaft. They don't have anything to do. And it, it bothers me, actually, because this is what Nintendo has done. We have a few things to do, right? But they're just not like – they just don't affect what's happening as strongly, right? Because when you make a pattern, when you, you click the thing, right, to make a platform, not a pattern, you uh, it o- it's only there for like so long, right? Yeah, and usually, I mean, obviously, the game has been designed without them. And there's pretty much like you can do a couple other things. You can touch some enemies. Sometimes there's like a block you can touch, but they really, it's really obviously like stuff that's been placed there. So it's like, oh well, we got to throw the guy with the gamepad a bone once in a while, right? But it doesn't really seem like you have like you're actually contributing that much. Here's the thing: for the for the most part, you're completely unneeded. And yeah. if, if you don't need to be there, then there's no use in you being there. Yeah, exactly. You just get in the way. So it's. What bugs me is that Nintendo put in this new thing, this new element into the Mario Mario universe that you can add blocks out of nowhere, but they only did it because they had to, right? They wanted to put a Mario game out there, but they didn't want to make a real Mario game, so they made another new Super Mario Brothers game. But then they have this gamepad. What do you do with the gamepad? Oh, well, let's come up with this thing, and they, they came up with something that's useless. It's kind of a waste of time. Until this challenge mode. <laughs> Until this challenge mode where I have to... Have someone who's not an idiot manning the the gamepad, creating blocks so that I can get from point A to point B because that particular level is designed to absolutely need the gamepad and the block creation. I'm so glad that I was the first person you thought of when you were looking for someone. You're who the wasn't only person idiot. I know that I could turn to and actually be like, we might actually do this. <laughs> All these other people, they started playing and I thought, uh, this will just be a practice in, in frustration where... They, I keep playing for as long as they're willing to play just so that I look like I'm not being an asshole. Right. But really, I just want someone who's, you know, not bad at games to take that thing over. And so you get on that, and we try and we try and we try. It took several tries, but eventually we sort of got, got in the zone with one another, and you were just placing the blocks in exactly the right spots almost, and I was just flying through. We had to finish it in 25 seconds. It comes down to the wire. I see it's like 23 seconds on the screen, and I can see the flag on the right, and I jump, but I hit one of your platforms, and I don't make it all the way, but then I make one last jump, 24-79. We make it to the end. Just barely by about two-tenths of a second. But it, there's, it, it was, was actually, amazing. The thing that was really amazing for me and actually really interesting, too, was that like we went through like this very methodical process of like different strategies, right? Like The first thing we tried was that, like okay, like... Well, we didn't. It wasn't really coherent at the beginning, right? But then I was like, okay, I'll I'll make platforms under you, and you pretend like there's just a platform wherever you're going to jump, right? And that didn't work out too well. That that went horribly. Um, well, I think they planned it so that you couldn't do it that way because they put some obstruction at just the right spot where if I went as far as I could, it would not work out. Yeah, and let, let me say one more detail just to make this picture clearer for uh, everybody listening. Um, basically, like this whole level, right, there's no floor. And so I'm basically making the floor as Alon's running on the floor. 
as we go. Yeah, pretty much jumping. If I was trying to run the whole thing, it wouldn't really work out. But but yeah, jumping from platform to platform, and then every once in a while they put some crap in your way and some enemies jumping around. This particular level had a bunch of spikes falling from the ceiling, right? And that's what made it hard. And I came damn close to hitting spikes on several occasions. Yeah. So so it really like it all came together when I think um, I think I decided we should switch strategies, and I was like, okay. Um, because it seems impossible for me to create platforms under you um, because you move too fast um, and I move too slow, perhaps. Um, so then I was like, okay, I'm going to make them a little bit ahead of you, right? And then you just go do whatever. And then once we once we got that, like everything just pretty much clicked into place, didn't it? Yeah. But honestly, when we got it was earlier than I thought. I thought, like... Because that I was really the too, first time because, clicked. first of all, you haven't played this before, and there's, like, bronze, silver, gold, right? Yeah. And I'm like, why are you going so fast? You're like, because I want to get gold. Because you do this shit all the time, right? And I'm like, why don't we try to get bronze first? What do you mean I do this shit all the time? If I know <laughs> I'm going to go for gold, who cares if, if I get silver or bronze? Because you learn things in the process of getting bronze that will prepare you and arm you for being able yeah, to do gold. Yeah, listen, I get that, and I'd be willing to try yeah. it. But because – no, because also I know like the other games we've played, you're like, yeah, I want to try the hard mode right away. You do huh. that. I don't jump to the hardest. I like <laughs> – I have this general rule. If there is a difficulty option, I will play one above – Whatever the standard difficulty what is. What if there's only three? Then I go through the middle. Yeah, okay. But like on, I don't know, like on Halo or whatever, Yeah. I don't play normal, I play heroic. All right. I don't well, play legendary because that's just crazy talk. Just heroic. One step up. Otherwise, it's boring. Well, I guess you're free to pick whatever mode you like. Anyway, that was fun. It was fun. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back. You are still listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. As a reminder, we're sponsored by the University of Advancing Technology, and their website is uat.edu. And uh, I don't know if they have it yet, but I'm sure pretty soon they'll have a Wii U set up in the Commons area. Yeah, maybe. They have a Wii and an Xbox and PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 3 and all that stuff. Does, has, anybody, has anybody figured out why the Wii U is called Wii U? Uh, because now they're focusing on U, I guess? No, not buying that one. No? No. I don't... Yeah, I don't know. Like, is it going to be like some other vowel? <laughs> like, is it going to be like Wii U Wii or Wii, Wii U Woe? Dude, when I heard Wii U, like, I just couldn't help but think of the movie Kung Pao. Where... I mean, it's... it's... Are you, familiar... you know Kung Pao. You have Kung yeah. Pao, don't you? No, I don't. But it... I know what you're talking about. All right. Yeah. Wii U Wii U Wii U Wii U. <laughs> it's it's just, it just... It's just so strange. Yeah. How can something mass so mass market be so strange? Yeah. Well, that happened with the Wii. And then they just talk... Stuck with it. I guess but if you got a good thing going, why stop, right? I, I want to talk about another Wii experience that I had. Uh, I don't know if it was at that same party on Saturday or if it was afterwards, but uh, I got the Rayman. Is it Rayman Legends? You have Origins, right? Rayman Origins. Yeah, that's the one that came out on 360, and Xbox, and all that. Yeah. So Rayman Legends, I think, is the name of the sequel. Maybe. Maybe. Whatever. It's the one for Wii U. It sounds sensible. The demo. For those Wii U uh, owners who didn't know, the demo is available now, and um, I have not played the demo that's in stores on disc, so I don't know if it differs or if it's the same thing, 
But I'm not used to getting a demo that limits the number of times I could play it. And I noticed two things about this. First, let me describe what it does. You turn it on, it's like, hey, you've got 30 tries remaining to play this, this demo. Which annoys me. It annoys me that they would limit it. This is this is the new Nintendo way. You know, they've been doing this on the 3DS for quite some time. Well, I didn't know that. But I do now. But um, it's really frustrating. And thank your lucky stars it's 30 and not 3. Because with a few choice demos, they've actually only allowed you to play it three times. Really? At least in one case on the 3DS in Japan, yeah. Wow. So, it's annoying. But I... Then I think to myself, why is it annoying, Elon? Because there's never, ever a time in your life when you played a demo even 30 times. In fact, I would challenge you to name a demo that you've played more than, say, five times. Yeah. Well, I think maybe Doom or... or uh, Really, Wolf- Doom? Wolfenstein. You're going to 1994, really? Or Wolfenstein. But do you even call those demos? No, it's, you don't. The first world is just freeware or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so... Never really played a demo that many times. But then I'm like, well, what if I have a bunch of people in the house and other people want to play and I don't get to play, right? Like, that's frustrating to me. You know what's funny? Because when I saw that sort of thing on the 3DS, that was my first reaction. And then then I realized that I play most demos once and a few twice. And I don't know if I'm like really hard up in some kind of situation that I can't even imagine now. I might even want to play it a third or fourth time. But yeah, that's... But not 30. But not 30. But somehow it still served to piss me off. So I'm wondering, did they gain at all? Because it's not like I'm going to be abusing the demo and playing it well, see, here's the more thing. than 30 times. I think that some people either are or they just want to make sure that people can't. Because remember... Th- I I said this like years ago when we were talking about the 360 and demos. I was so impressed with the depth of content and also right this just the I mean there's every single XBLA game has a demo, right? And I was theorizing, you know, some years ago when we were talking about this thing on the show that, you know, if you're, you know, if you're like kind of hard up for cash and you know, you don't like to spend money and you don't, or you don't have money to spend, um, you could probably totally persist, subsist on just playing demos. And, and and I was theorizing that there must be just legions and of legions of people who um, you know just don't buy any of the games and just play demos over and over because you know they don't have the money for it. That's probably not true, right? I mean. It- well, I don't know if your experience. Has it may shown or may this. not be true, but the fact is that Nintendo thought it was important <laughs> enough to address. Yeah, it's it's funny to me because, like I, like I said, it it pissed me off, but it didn't it didn't give them any more value. It just made me not like them. And then I'm curious, like, is this going to be a standard across all all Nintendo Wii U games or all Nintendo Everything games? I don't know. I've certainly never downloaded a demo from Nintendo. So. It seems it seems like they probably will do that. But you know what? Yeah. I mean, like with something like thirty, even like five, totally fine with it. No problem. All right. Then I'm curious. Like, what are the rules? Like, if I change the user on the Wii U, yeah, does that work? What if I delete it and re-download it? I, I, if I delete I don't know. it and re-download it, and it still knows how many plays I've had, yeah. That means it's storing information that I don't want on my system, just wasting space. It which probably, means, well, it's, it's all, it just needs a bit. It needs one bit to store that. You know? <laughs> a little bit more than one bit. Well, that's all it needs. Now, they might have gone crazy <laughs> and it might reserve like four bytes, but I really don't think that's like an appreciable um, concern. Mm-hmm. I think you'll be fine. I, okay. think, I don't think you'll ever run into a case, oh, I can't download this demo because it's saving all this information. I mean, what if I download history? every demo ever made and towards infinity? I think you'll be fine. I think you'll survive. I'll tell you what. It's a good thing I got the, the deluxe one with a lot of storage. There you go. All right. Well, that's my, my adventure with the Wii. All right. With well, the Wii U. We got some letters, and by some I mean one. Yeah, but it was attached to a really, really, really long article. Yeah, so I have I have a few things to say about this. Um, so why don't we talk about this next? Because this is also going to lead into. I mean, obviously, you guys all know about um, you know that insane school massacre that happened. Yeah. Now I should 
I want to point out, usually I would make fun of something like this because that's how I roll. But this is something that doesn't really need to be made fun of. I'm glad, Alon, that uh, you have your limits and that this is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Because, the, um, yeah, it was just... We're not going to talk about what happened exactly, but I want to talk about the things surrounding it. And this letter sort of starts to segue into that. We we sort of both expected people are going to start blaming it on video games. <sighs> right? Kids performing violence. All right. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but let me just read the letter. I thought that's what we were getting into. I know, but, like, I got an order. Okay. I want to do this in. So here's the letter, right? So our friend Kevin, thank you, Kevin, from who knows where, um, sends us this letter. And, and this link to this article that's talking about um, basically – I mean, what's the article about in a nutshell on? Uh, a woman who plays games who's like totally normal and not a violent person but likes playing violent yeah, games. Yeah, like um, you know, 99.9 like repeating – of the yeah. popular percent of the population. If anyone wants to read this, it's at themarysue.com. So anyway, so he says, just read this piece and was wondering what you two would make of it. Nothing earth-shattering, but I thought it was a well-thought-out opinion piece concerning adults playing video, violent video games. I'm especially interested in what Ara might make of the comments concerning underlying similarities across what would usually be considered wildly different games, i.e. you're essentially trying to solve a puzzle regardless of the setting. Also, she briefly gets into narrative games, which I know is Alon's favorite topic, but she seems to have a slight view on it. Okay, so what, what Kevin is talking about here with this puzzle thing is, ironically, actually, um, one of the bigger points I was making in my talk the other week at the beginning of this month, um, which is also on YouTube, which you can go watch, which is that, remember that Mortal Kombat example, right? I will when you tell me it again. So basically, when I was I, I was using Mortal Kombat as an example of how the game's a game's depth changes based on w- how much of it you're able to apprehend. So, for example, f- to naive players, right? Naive being people who don't play Mortal Kombat or video games, they see Mortal Kombat and they're like, "Oh, this is very gruesome. This is very graphic. This is what Mortal Kombat is about." But people who play Mortal Kombat competitively. That is not what Mortal Kombat is about for them. It's a lot more, um, what's the word, um, abstract, right? They don't play, in fact, like they don't play for any of the looks. The looks there are just symbols for basically how um, you know, characters in that game interact with each other and what beats what and what doesn't beat what, right? So experienced players play the game like a puzzle. They're not getting their satisfaction out of the gruesomeness of it. But naive players will get, whether it's satisfaction or not, what they get out of it is the gruesomeness of it. Get it? Yes. Right? Which is incidentally, well, well, okay, look. The thing that this is leading to is that, like, this, this article that he was talking about, and just really, like, any kind of, at this point, the whole, like, even even pretending, even, like, giving the topic of, oh, well, you know, if, if games are violent, then they'll make violent people, then they'll make people more violent or they'll lead to, like, insane, horrendous massacres or, like, other really bad, violent behaviors, right? Like, this thing has come up so many times and so many things have happened that are, like, really, like, completely detached from something like video games, right, and even violent ones, that at this point, it's like, I'm just, I'm kind of shocked, like, Really? Like, we're going to go back here again? Like, didn't we learn already that games have nothing to do with this shit? Did we not learn our lesson? Like, we have to go back now? Well, I don't recall anyone actually coming to that conclusion well, other than us. I mean, maybe they didn't, right? But it's been, it's been, I mean, there's been studies that have come out in the past years that have very, very clearly shown that, like, it's not the media that the person consumes that turns them into a killer, it's, oh, God forbid, right, their personality and disposition before the fact, right? And so I'm, I'm just kind of surprised that it's coming up again, right, that like, oh, something, some really bad shooting happened and, um, and really any way to explain it is kind of like making more light of it than it deserves, but... You know, and then like, oh, all of a sudden, yeah, let's turn to video games to blame. Um, because why? I don't know. Maybe because we're just like, this is like a dysfunctional pattern, I think, that like we're culturally just used to and supposed to do, but just turn to that. But I have more and more interesting things when we come back. Mm-hmm. 
to me, Mario. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. It's a number one. Okay, we're back, and uh, the article we're referencing is on themarysue.com. Um, I'm going to let Ara continue in one second when I relay the title to you. A Well-Mannered Grown-Up's Defense of Violence in Video Games by Becky Chambers. But again, we're, it doesn't seem we're actually talking about her article so much as the fact that it's it's come up. Right. Well, the, the irony of this is, if I'm not mistaken, she actually wrote that before the massacre happened. Oh. Okay. And um, it was just really um, just coincidental timing. Like, no, day of. Day of. She says she wrote it like right before it happened. Really? Yeah. Okay. But anyway, like that's uh, – we don't need to get uh, into that nitty-gritty. Um, I just want to – okay, look. I just want to give you guys a couple examples just to illustrate this kind of insanity that we're talking about here. So there's this website slash media outlet, paper, rag, whatever, in the UK called The Guardian, right? Here's a sentence from – the an article they wrote about the massacre, talking about, um, right, the killer, okay? Chillingly, his favorite video game was said to be a shockingly violent fantasy war game called Dynasty Warriors, (laughs) which is thought to have given him inspiration to act on his darkest thoughts. Dynasty Warriors? Yeah, out of all games. Like, it's going to get better because I have another example that's even more outlandish, right? But, like, out of all the games that you could identify as, you know, leading somebody to such behaviors, okay, look, out of all, like, the action fighting video games, like, Dynasty Warriors is at the bottom of that list. Dude, I want someone to jump off a building committing suicide with something saying, you know what, I did this because of jumping flesh. (laughs) Right? That's what it's like. Dynasty Warriors is, I mean, okay, right. You're killing legions and legions of people. We just we just played this demo that was the um, right before the show, which was the uh, Fist of the North Star branded uh, Dynasty Warriors game that I guess is only coming out in Japan, which is fine. It's not that big a deal, right? But, I mean, Alon, you saw, I mean, there were just like hundreds of people that I was just punching. Yeah, it's like saying Ninja away. Turtles was his inspiration. Yeah, and I mean, like, you okay. You kill lots and lots of foot soldiers coming at you. Yeah, it's, Dynasty Warriors in general is not particularly graphic. And incidentally, it's horrendously boring, too, because... Enemies just fall by the wayside with just like a simple button press, right? And you're you're really like dispatching like maybe like seven to twelve enemies with each like attack of your sword, and it's it's funny because it's yeah it's a fantasy war game and it's so stylized that it's probably one of the worst choices that you could make in terms of like something that you'd expect somebody would say to, to believe that like, okay, yeah, this is going to lead you to like violent behavior. But luckily it has the word warriors in it. The other thing too is it's a very slowly plotting, slow paced game. It's not a fast game at all. It's not, it's not really even, um, yeah. I mean like it's a slow action game. It's really boring and okay, fine. You kill lots of people, but like really the even worse example is mass effect three. Now, apparently some of this confusion happened, right, because, like, when people found out who it was, right, apparently the um, this guy's brother's ID was on this killer's body. And so that's why they thought it was the guy's brother at first. And so, um, you know, the, 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 the Facebook mob, I guess, um, because now it is a mob, um, you know, went on Facebook and found that guy whose ID it was and examined his profile and lo and behold, right, let's grasp at any straw we can find. Um, oh, he said that he liked Mass Effect 3, right? So this is not even the guy, okay? We don't know what video games the guy liked, right? But we know that his brother, who hasn't spoken to him since 2010, likes Mass Effect 3. And so the Facebook mob proceeded to descend upon the Facebook 3 fan page on Facebook, Facebook 3, Mass Effect 3, right? And I just want to read you guys a couple of excerpts of the comments that were posted, okay? 
So it starts off, I see one of your fans killed about 30 kids in Connecticut. Each one of these is going to be a different person commenting, okay? Cause and effect in action. Fill your mind with violence and it will come out in your actions. There's a connection between violent games and senseless violence in real life. How about they drop their weapons and teach kids the value of life? In the game, the lives are unlimited. In reality, we only get one. This needs to come down. This being like they need to take down like the web page or the game in response to this, these events. Agree, time to ban this game. This is the reason why people do this type of crap. All this is motivation to go and shoot up malls, schools, jobs, movie theaters. This page must come down. Yeah, Mass Effect 3 is motivation. This is like <laughs> I'm actually kind of glad that this is happening to Mass Effect 3 because it's the best example of how insane all of these commenters are that I'm whose, whose, whose comments I'm reading. Um, finally, right there's like stop these games that breed violence, and then um, one guy um, posts a rather um, smart and snarky comment: "The murderer drank water. Water should be prohibited because that's what they're saying, basically." Yeah. And, you know, I hadn't read that, though. I didn't know that he drank water. Yeah. I didn't see that in the news. Well, well we're not sure if he drank water or not. I mean, we wouldn't want to jump to conclusions now, would we? Yeah. Uh, so that's crazy. I actually – I haven't followed – I haven't hunted down news complaining about video games, and I haven't really heard them talking about it. I assumed that it would hit the media you know sometime funny? in the days following. It, it kind of like – based on what I've seen, it's – it's not just a repeat as before. Like I think people are now starting to figure out like, yeah, you know what? These these connections now are more tenuous than they've ever been in any other thing in the past. I've actually seen a whole lot and I guess we shouldn't diverge too much from the general topic of gaming. But uh, I've seen a lot of coverage just saying that we need more awareness of health care for situations like this. That's what I've been seeing. Yeah. And what's weird, though, is that the politicians, I don't know if you've been watching, like, CNN and stuff. As little as possible. Apparently Obama and everybody's riling for gun control now, which I'm all for, just not in response to this. <laughs> we should we should not allow guns in the country, but uh, not because of this. This requires health. I don't know. I don't, I don't, what do you do when you have a crazy, psychotic kid? Like, well, I, I don't want to state my opinion on guns because, honestly, actually, I, I'm not – like I don't even have a coherent opinion on that. and I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to say that. But this is not about – I really don't think it's about gun control yeah, either. No, because you could do the same thing with a bomb or knives you or can, whatever. You can, precisely. Right. And, and so, I mean, sure, right? Like any political party will take this and run with it to their advantage as much as they can, right? Just like any other – kind of potential or actual crisis. Um, but that's just simply taking advantage of the situation to further your own personal interests and beliefs. Yeah. You know? I mean, I see compelling I see compelling arguments for and against gun control, right? But this is not about guns. This is about someone who's fucking crazy. It's about video games corrupting the minds of our kids. I mean... Yeah, I guess that's what it's about, right? Okay, so go play some violent video games. Um, it's just, I'm so glad it was Mass Effect 3. Because, I mean, like, I guess we couldn't, like, you know, the game couldn't have been, like, um, Care Bear's storybook teller, right? Like, But Mass Effect 3 is just, like, just vague enough, right, for people to just, like, make that connection right away and then find out that, that they're completely ignorant of what Mass Effect 3 is. Yeah. Well, and the same people would be upset about Mass Effect for other reasons. Well, there's plenty of other reasons right. to be upset about that game. It has lesbian alien love relationships, you know. Yeah. Those sorts of things. I mean, why is why aren't uh, we all turning into lesbian lovers? Yeah. Well, you don't know. You don't me. All right. Yeah. What else do we have on the docket for today? Get away from this more depressing topic. Let's right. keep going. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So um, let's talk about Guitar Hero 7. Huh? Guitar Hero 7 is something I'd never even heard of. Okay. So apparently I think it was... It may have been Kotaku or Destructoid or one of one of the big blogs um, did kind of like an expose on what happened to Guitar Hero 7. Now, do we all remember that Activision basically just said, you know what, music games aren't cutting it anymore? We're just going to stop with them? Something like that, yeah. What's, what's funny to me is that music games would have done very well if they hadn't just beaten the dead horse on them. 
Right. right. But that's all a, co- a corporation knows how to do. It's, um, oh, this is making money. Um, okay, let's squeeze it until uh, it's not even saleable anymore. Yeah. What's strange is I read something. I don't know if it was this morning or yesterday or whatever, but apparently Bobby Kotick turned down uh, an option for a Call of Duty movie because he didn't want to dilute the brand, basically. He didn't want to... He's like, most people, most video game-related movies, people don't end up watching them, they don't do very well, and it'll just sully the brand. Those weren't his words. That's a compelling argument, though. Yeah, no, I I mean, it's... (laughs) Right? He had an option... To right. make money in the short term off of his IP. No, but no, 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 no. But I believe that he made that choice because he didn't think he could make money in the short term. You think so? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, they would just pay him a bunch of licensing rights. Yeah, but I think that, I mean, you know. No, it, he. I think that he really thought that it wouldn't be profitable. Well, what he said was that it might sell you the brand. Yeah, and they could and, do that. See, see, there's more risk in that type of endeavor to hurt his profits than there is to gain. And so. Yeah, but that's an intelligent argument, which is not one I expected him to make. Well, right? That's looking at the long term. The man is intelligent. That has nothing to say about his morals. Yeah. Anyway, he had no problem letting the company release music game after music game after music game in rapid succession to the point that we had like six guitar heroes in two years. Yeah. And, uh, and nobody buys peripherals. Yeah. Yeah. Um anyway, I want to um I want to just read like a couple of um juicy details because basically Guitar Hero 7 was developed at Activision by Carious Vision specifically and they worked on it for like a couple years and it was totally canceled and they were making like um a lot of interesting things, right? But this is kind of I I I've read this piece describing how it was that they came to make Guitar Hero 7 and then how it became that they canceled it. And it's really interesting because I've gone through this process repeatedly in my professional life. And I actually think that it's because of basically the way games are, are greenlit in the corporate world in general and why, um, why that way is really, really bad. And I will tell you all about that when we return. All right. We'll be right back. Are you going to find a master of science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. All right, we're back again. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Let's get right into it. Do you need to do any housekeeping, along? Um, I do. Just to remind everyone about UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. I, I don't think we have any news for the, for the rest of the year, actually. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah, nothing. We'll okay. be back uh, next week, as always. Okay. But now I want to hear about Guitar Hero 7. Okay. So I'm going to read to you guys what happened to Guitar Hero 7, and then I'm going to show you um, a couple of interesting things. Um, so... Here's what happened, right? They're making... um, I'm just going to read straight from this article. The juicy bits. 
so they had a demo, right? They made a demo in order to um, convince the executives that, like, yeah, this is a game worth making, right? So they make this demo, right? How much convincing did they need? They were letting them go out the door five at a time, those Guitar Hero games. I, I can't. I don't know how to explain that. Okay. But anyway, right, this was, like, they were, like, this was going to be actually, like, a characteristically, like, new thing for music video games that they hadn't done before, that nobody had done before, and... um I mean, if I can speculate, maybe they already knew that the game, the game series was going downhill, right? So, you know, the executives are probably like, hey, why would we make another one? These games are making less and less money every time. We're up to number six, apparently, already or whatever. I was just making up a number, but... Yeah. Well, this was, this was going to be Guitar Hero 7. So anyway, this, this guy who is um, some secret guy who we don't know who he is is talking about... Um, you know what it was like to work on this team right and he's like the demos venue had camera cuts that were unique to the song being played the venue was amazing and animated and each time something in the song changed the venue would also i didn't even like the song but the demo gave me goosebumps and the article goes on to say gamers could play songs in different venues as they could before and playing a song successfully in a venue would cause the venue to become changing uh, in ways specific to that song right so the key here that I want you to remember for a couple minutes later, right, is that the demo gave him goosebumps. In other words, like they gave him – they, they produced a demo that was like incredibly compelling in terms of expressing what the game could ultimately be represented as. Get it? I've which internalized is, that, yes. Which is which – is, that's what the job of a demo is, right? You see the demo and for, for people, especially executives who are not game designers – who uh, will not immediately be able to tell where the game can go? The demo is a means of expressing what the you know what the game could be, what it could feel like, how good it could be as a final product, right? Which is why they make you kind of do demos before they actually fund a project completely, right? So anyway, okay, I'm just going to read the rest of this and then I'm going to do my comments, right? The morphing venue concept was too unwieldy, and the game began to collapse under the weight of the developers' big ambitions. They started designing locations, my source said. A tomb, the back of a moving truck. The locations were going to match the songs. Each song would have its own music video. It was a nice idea, and some of the concepts looked great. Then they realized they didn't have any songs. This was now before like, they knew what songs they were going to uh, have in the game. Right? This is early in the project. Everything was being built around Turn the Page, Metallica, and a thing called Love the Darkness. They changed the venues and animations as songs came in. So this is also like what we do a lot in corporate video game development, especially like you know when I was back at Rainbow and they were still around. You mean just frequent changes? Um, no, like oh we don't have enough. Like we don't. They didn't have songs. Like oh we don't know what songs. Oh we don't know like what uh, we don't have this information for this game. So we're gonna make content anyway and like do as much work as possible in anticipation for something coming in at the end or near the end. So we can, like, you know, quote, be efficient with our work and not just twiddle our thumbs, right? So there's a lot of, like, really, really weird kind of um, logistics like this that you have to deal with in corporate game development, right? Because your time is limited. Um, Anyway, so continuing. When the song started coming in, a great sense of dread came about. Everyone with an active brain, the source continued. The game had all the worst hits from the 1990s. They realized that with their lack of budget and time, they couldn't get quality music, so they bought bargain basement music like Closing Time and Sex and Candy. There were some songs in there that had been used at least three times in the Guitar Hero franchises before. They realized with the set list of over 80 songs, a music video unique to each song was out of scope as well. So pretty much every song that was in the tomb or the back of the moving truck with different lighting and camera cuts and maybe a little graffiti. So so do you realize what he's trying to explain, right? It's like they wanted to have all these dynamic kinds of uh, venues, right, that would change every time. But they should have realized this before the project started. But apparently partway through the project they realized that what they had to do, right, is basically have like each venue work with every combination of song that could be played there. And you have special stuff, which is like – that, like, literally, I mean, that's, like, a factorial. You know what I mean? With well, not like, to mention you have downloadable music. You have a bunch of music that already exists. Well, let's, let's pretend that, that doesn't, that's not part of it, right? But, like, to make, like, because any venue, even, like, any venue is, like, multiplied by the number of songs you have in the game. And they have to make, like, that much content, which they couldn't do, right? I mean, that's, that's crazy. I feel like they would just make 
each venue related to a specific song. And so it would have something special and then everything else would have the same special stuff. Well, there, there would certainly be ways to kind of like massage the pieces that you have to work with so that you can get the scope into something that's wieldy rather than unwieldy, right? Um, but this – like when I was reading this, right, the reason why I'm bringing all this up is because it just smacks of um, – is very, 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 very familiar to me. A lot of experience that I've, that I've had in corporate game development where – and here's the problem. The problem is is that you – it is difficult to communicate to an executive basically or the person who's funding you, right, what could be so good about your game. And oftentimes, the thing that's actually good about the game that makes it so great isn't the thing that you can sell someone on. Does that make sense? You mean because it's too hard to pitch or put into words? or For a myriad of reasons, many of the times are those exact same things that you said. Okay. Okay? So here's what ends up happening, right? And you know, in this case, what they did was like they did the demo, right, which – uh, expressed a concept that was logistically impossible to accomplish, right? And because they were so focused on the demo and expressing that concept and getting that done and getting the game green lit, right? They didn't think far enough ahead, presumably, to realize that, yes, in practice, this isn't actually going to work, right? So you have this weird thing where a demo, right, seems makes the game seem like it's going to be an incredible game, but the demo does not inform you about the logistics of how impossible it is to actually execute. I, I don't know. What they've described here is so incredibly obvious to me. Well, after the fact. It no, is. even before, I'd be like, as soon as they said, oh, we have uh, the the venue changes for every song, I was like, what? Right. Why would it change? That's impossible. You're going to have 50 songs well, in the game. I mean, it kind of seems obvious to me too, but I don't I can't address that. Like I don't know I don't know what to say about that. Like maybe maybe there's some other there's probably some other information that we don't have, right? But the other the other thing that's really interesting is that a lot of game developers have adopted a strategy in anticipation, a lot of professionals in anticipation of this kind of phenomenon because if you can't the game your game that you're pitching right whether it's to a publisher or whether it's to or it's in house and you're pitching it to executives right it's like you can't you actually you realize that you don't want to tell them exactly what you want to do because if you tell them that they won't understand it and they won't give you the money so what you end up doing is you try to basically show them something that might not actually be the game that could pass for the game that is attractive and compelling that makes them want to plunk down the money. But then while you're actually making the game, then you go do what you want, right? And it doesn't have to necessarily be like incompatible with the spirit of how you've presented or pitched the game. But a lot of times like you have to pitch it in a form that's attractive to somebody who doesn't understand video games, even though the thing that's actually attractive about the video game, right, is something else. And I think that that's the reason why a lot of corporate, corporately produced and developed games end up having just very, very weird idiosyncratic qualities to them. I mean, you've played a bunch of games where you're just like, why would they do that? Why, would, why is this in the game, you know? Why do they spend so much time with this customization mode when... Like, it's the lamest part of the game. Well, it may have been that that customization mode was what, like, sold the executives on the game, for example. Yeah. Right. That, that is interesting. I mean, do you have a story that's directly related to one of your projects that you can talk about? Well, I mean, it's 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 not clear because, see, the thing is, is that, like, even, even back then, like, you know, when, when we had projects approved, I mean, you would never know precisely why they got approved, Right. But like this is a – I think this is a pretty – I mean we engaged in this and this I think is pretty common that um, – yeah, like you'll, you'll try to produce – you'll try to present it in a way that's attractive. It's not necessarily the way that it's going to be. But you know that in advance? You, but you know that in advance. And actually like the converse of that actually is um, with what one of my colleagues uh, once um, called a dead dog, which I don't know if this is um, common parlance or not, right? But 
a lot of times too, like when you're having like executives like examine what you're doing, right? And evaluate what you're doing. Like you'll you'll do something called you put a dead dog in the scene, right? Because the thing is that when when an executive or somebody comments on something, like they'll have to comment something critically. They have to. It can't all be great. Something has to be bad, right? So if you manufacture the bad thing, and it's not can't be too obviously bad, but just obvious enough so that you know that that's what they're going to notice, then like you get into a very politically safe arena where you put the dead dog in there, and then the the guy's like, "Hey, there's a dead dog in here," and then you can thank him for showing you that, uh, yeah, that dead dog shouldn't be there thanks for catching that one you know and now we'll just go about making our game and the executives feel great because they felt like they contributed to the production of the game and you know you don't have to make any cataclysmic changes that somebody came down and made you make who doesn't understand the thousands and thousands of trade-offs that you had to consider but they don't understand that's hilarious to me because yeah i picture myself being an executive trying to greenlight one of these things and i'd be like my my job is not to make games. My job is to hire the people who know how to make them. Well, the good ones understand that. But only the corporate world is not filled with good ones. All right. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay, well, I'll, I'll consider that a lesson learned. Good job. We'll be back next week, everyone. This has been uh, episode 464, I think. We've got two more to go this year. And we'll be closing in on nine years. Good time. All right, we'll be back. Later, everyone. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.